Lord. Help me to be able to preach with your power and uh, with your strength, Lord. Help me to say the things, Father, that you would have me to say. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we would be able to learn this passage tonight and apply it to our lives. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Judges 21, and we've been going through the book of Judges on Sunday night, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It seems like it hasn't been that long, but we're already 21 chapters into Judges, and we're finishing the book of Judges tonight, and next Sunday we'll start something new. And as we go through, you know, Judges 21 is, again, one of those chapters not very well known, and the story seems kind of crazy, but I want to I wanna point out a few things to you uh, that I think might help. Every Christian who is a maturing Christian in a church like this one. I want you to understand, we said it before, but let me just point it out again. The theme of the book of Judges, especially the last few chapters, if you look at verse number 25, the last, the last, the last verse of the entire book says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and here's the theme of the book. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that's the theme of the book of Judges. That's the the point, I believe, that God's trying to make. Judges is there to teach us what happens to a society when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, I want you to understand something, okay? And something we're going to see through this chapter is this. When people do that which is right in their own eyes. You've got to understand this. They're not doing evil on the side of the Lord, although they are doing evil. They're not trying to sin against God. They're simply putting themselves as a standard and doing what they believe is right off, off of their standard. Now, here's what you've got to understand. When someone does that, which is right in, in their own eyes, that person becomes self-righteous. Okay? Think of the word self-righteous. Doing that which is right in your own eyes is the exact... I mean, that would be the definition of someone who's self-righteous. They're doing what they think is right based on themselves. And, you know, as we go through this passage, we find what people that are self-righteous, what people that do that which is right in their own eyes, what those people will end up doing in, in, in a situation. It's interesting as you go through it. I'll try to apply it the best I can, but I want you to notice a few things. Now, before I get started, let me say this, okay? I was born an independent, fundamental Baptist. You may know what that means. You may not know what that means. It doesn't really matter if you do or don't. I'm just telling you, that's the type of church this is. We are an independent, fundamental Baptist church. I was born an independent, fundamental Baptist. I was not born saved. I was not born a Christian. I had to get saved. I had to believe. But I was born in a Baptist church. Uh, good night. I wasn't born in a Baptist church, but I was born in, you know, when I was born, my family was going to a Baptist church. I've been a Baptist my whole life. I've never been anything else. I'm glad I'm a Baptist. I'm not ashamed of being a Baptist. I'm ashamed of some Baptists, but I'm not ashamed of being a Baptist. Uh, I'm all for the side out fronts as being a Baptist. I love being a Baptist uh, church, and this church will never be anything else but a Baptist church. Is that, is that clear? With that said, let me explain to you the main thing that I cannot stand in the independent, fundamental, King James, Bible-believing, Hellfire and Brimstone Baptist churches. A lot, a lot of people are very self-righteous. A lot of people do that which is right in their own eyes. Now they may think they're doing what's right, and in a lot of cases, they may be doing what the Bible says, but they have a very self-righteous, I'm doing what I think is right in my own eyes. And I want you to notice a few things of these kinds of people. Now, I love Baptists, but I can't stand this self-righteous, 
do that which is right in your own eyes attitude that for some reason is prevalent among independent formal Baptists because of our stand. And let's just get started. Look at verse 1. Now the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, now notice what they swore, okay? There shall not any of us give his daughters unto Benjamin to wife. Now you've got to understand this. When people do that which is right in their own eyes, they often begin to live by their own standard. I remember growing up and listening to a lot of preaching, and a lot of good preaching that had nothing to do with the Bible. A whole lot of standards that weren't found in Scripture. Because what happens is, when we begin to do that which is right in our own eyes, and we begin to be self-righteous, we begin to do things that we think are right. Now these people, look, were they dealing with sin? Was not Judges 19 a huge sin? I mean, the events that happened in Judges 19, that, that was horrible. They were dealing with sin, and they were trying to cleanse the land, they were trying to do right. But notice what they did along the way. They swore, they made a vow. What was the vow? There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. Now, now I'm not perfect. I don't know everything about the Bible. I'll admit that right now. Okay? So if you can, if you can show me something in Scripture that contradicts what I'm about to say, I would love for you to show it to me because uh, I'm open to learning and I want to learn. But as far as I can tell in Scripture, you never find, in the Old Testament especially, you never find God telling the children of Israel to forbid a young lady for marrying another person of the same nation of Israel. Do you understand that? Now I can find a whole lot of passages where God says, don't marry the heathen. I can find a whole lot of passages where God says, don't marry the people from this land, and don't marry the people from that land, and don't give your daughters to these people, and don't give your daughters to that people. But I can't find any passage in Scripture where God says, don't give your daughters to other brethren from the nation of Israel. Does that make sense? I mean, I can understand telling a believer, hey, don't marry an unbeliever. What I can't understand is telling a believer, this, is, this would be kind of the equivalent, if I came to you and I said, hey, don't allow your daughter to marry another Baptist from another church. But they're saying, yeah, but, but, but they, they believe the same God. They believe, yeah, yeah, but don't, don't no, we're going to cut them off. Don't marry. That's, that's what they're doing. The Benjamites were in sin and they were doing wrong and obviously we understand all that. But they were still part of God's people. Now, if you can, if you can show me, I, I'd be gladly to take it and correct it. I tried to search, uh, you know, uh, for, for something like that. I can't find that in Scripture. Here's what I can find, is that these people were doing something right and then took it to a level that God never said to take it to. They made a dumb vow. And by the way, we find this all throughout the book of Judges. People constantly saying dumb things that they don't need to do. And here's a vow. There shall not any of us give us his daughter unto Benjamite to wife. Now, keep your finger there in Judges 21, or just turn the page over. Go to Judges chapter 20, and let me explain to you why they made that vow. They were there to take care of sin. But their attitude was the wrong attitude. You've got to understand this. They meant to punish sin, which was the right thing to do. But what they were doing is they were trying to destroy these people. God never commands us to deal with sin. Did I preach a sermon this morning about dealing with sin? I think I did. But God never commands us to deal with sin in order to destroy or hurt people. The purpose of dealing with sin is always to restore that's not what these people were trying to do. Go to Judges chapter 20. Look at verse 48. And the men of Israel 
turned again upon the children of Benjamin and smote them with the edge of the sword. Now look what it says. As well as the men of every city, as the beast and all that came to hand. I mean, they were trying to kill everybody. Also, they set on fire all the cities that they came to. These people were out with a vengeance. They were out. They, they were not just trying to remove the sodomites from the land. They were trying to destroy the Benjamites. Annihilate them. The purpose of dealing... Now, they should have been trying to deal with the sin. The purpose should have been to restore the children of Benjamin back to the fold uh, 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 of the children of Israel there. But that's not what they were trying to do. They were trying to hurt them. They were trying to destroy them. They were trying to make them, you know, just no longer exist. That's why they said, let's kill every man. That's why they said, let's kill every beast. That's why they went and, and, and set on fire every city. And that's why they made this dumb vow. Let's not any of us give our daughters to their men to wife. Keep your finger there in Judges. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me give you a New Testament example. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. As you're reading through the New Testament this month, I hope you are. And you read through 1 and 2 Corinthians, you should understand this about those books. 1 and 2 Corinthians has a lot of good doctrine. But the book of 1 Corinthians, one of the reasons that the Apostle Paul... Obviously we know the Holy Spirit is the one that wrote the book. But one of the reasons that Paul wrote the book was to deal with some sin that was in the church at Corinth. There was a young man living in fornication. They were not dealing with it. And Paul said, hey listen, you let this go too far. you got to deal with this sin. you got to confront this guy and take the steps that you need to take biblically. Now here's what happened. The church at Corinth decided, let's deal with sin. But they did not deal with sin in order to restore the young man. They dealt with sin in order to destroy the young man. And then the Apostle Paul has to write the the book of 2 Corinthians. Are you there in 2 Corinthians? Look at chapter number 2 and verse 6. Notice, he has to correct them and he says, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment. He says, look, I'm glad you did what I told you to do. You've done enough. It's sufficient. You, you don't need to, hey, listen, you don't need to burn their cities. You don't need to make a vow and say you're never going to give your children to them. You don't need to destroy the beast. Sufficient to such a man is his punishment, which was inflicted of many. So that, verse 7, contrawise, the word contrawise means the opposite thing that you're doing is what you should be doing. He says, so that contrawise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with so much sorrow. Verse 8, wherefore I beseech you that ye should confirm your love toward him. Understand this, when we deal with sin, we deal with sin to get the sin out of the church to get the sin out of the camp we don't deal with sin to destroy people you understand that? the purpose of dealing with sin is to restore people, let me just make something very clear to you at Verity Baptist Church we believe in hard preaching we believe in being bold and taking a stand and not watering it down but I'm here to tell you that the purpose of preaching hard is not to offend people but you know what the average Baptist thinks? I'm going to get up and I'm just going to preach hard and my purpose is to offend people. My purpose this morning was not to offend anybody. My purpose this morning was to restore people. Now you do it boldly. You don't compromise. You don't, you know, uh, uh, water it down. But we're not here to hurt people. We're here to bring them along. To help them along. We're not here to destroy them. But we can get this attitude that I'm an independent funnel Baptist. I, I, I cross my teeth. I dot my eyes. I've got all my ducks. 
ducks in a row, and then we want to hurt people and destroy them. That's not what we're here to do. We deal with sin to restore, not to offend. Listen to me. I can tell you right now, there was people that left church this morning offended. But you know what? My goal is not that they left offended because of me. Now, they're going to blame it on me, and that's fine. I don't care. If they get offended by the Word of God, praise the Lord for it. If they get offended by Jesus Christ, hey, He's the rock of offense. But if they get offended because of my bad attitude, that's not God's fault. That's my fault. And these people sought to correct sin, but they took it just a little too personal. And they took it just a little too far. The purpose of dealing with sin is not to hurt, it's not to destroy, it's to restore. Go back to Judges 21, look at verse 2. Now eventually these people begin to regret what they were doing. And they do mourn over the loss. Look at Judges 21, verse 2. And the people came to the house of God and abode there till even before God. And lifted up their voices and wept sore. And said, O Lord God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel? That there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel. And it came to pass on the morrow that the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now you got to understand this, okay? And this is the point I do want to want you to understand. These people eventually realize, oh man, we took this too far. That we shouldn't have done this. And they begin to weep. The Bible says, verse 2, uh, the end there says, they lift up their voice and wept. So let me tell you something. Your sin doesn't just affect you. It affects people around you. You're, you're not, you don't live on an island. People get this idea. Well, I'm, I, if I go off this sin, it's just affecting me. You know what? You know what I've noticed as being a pastor? Is when somebody goes back to the world and somebody quits a God, uh, on God, you know what I have to do? I have, I have to go through a grieving process for them. Now, I know a lot of pastors just don't get to know their people, just, just stay away. You know, I've, I, I've been to churches like that. I, I've known people have told me, oh man, I used to, you know, people tell me all the time, like, I went to a church where you never talked to the pastor, you never talked to the pastor's wife, they were never out there, they never invited anybody out to eat, they never talked. You know, and a lot of people talk down pastors. I understand why they do that. It's easier. Protect yourself, not hurt yourself. I don't want to be that type of pastor, but I'll tell you this. When you go back to sin, it's not just affecting you. It's affecting those that have invested in you. It's affecting those that have loved you. It's affecting those that pray for you every day. These people, the Benjamites went off into sin, but they're lifting up their voices and weeping. It affects others. It's not just you. Look at verse 5. And the children of Israel said... Now notice what they begin to say. I mean, these guys are out of control. Who is there among all the tribes of Israel that came not up with the congregation unto the Lord? Okay, so they said, we went off to war with Benjamin. They said, we got this problem now where we don't want them to be destroyed, but we made this dumb promise that we're not going to give our daughters to their sons, so how are we going to restore? And then they, they start talking, and here's what they say. They say, well, well who didn't come to the battle? Who didn't do what we did? For they had made a great oath concerning him that came not up to the Lord to Mispah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And do you realize these people are making a whole lot of oaths? I mean, they made an oath about not giving them their children. They made another oath about anyone who doesn't go to battle with us, we're going to put them to death. Look at verse 6. Did you know that the Bible actually says that if someone did not want to go off to battle with you, you should let them go back home? So not only are they making their own standards, they're making standards that completely contradict Scripture. You were supposed to let people not fight. If they didn't want to fight with you, you were supposed to let them go home. They said, if you don't want to fight with us, we're going to kill you. Because I'm an independent fundamental Baptist. Because I'm righteous. And you better do what I said. 
Now look at what happens, verse 6. And the children of Israel repented from Benjamin their brother and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them of our daughters to wife? And they said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel that came not up to misfit to the Lord? They said, Who didn't come up? Who didn't come to the battle? Who didn't do what we did? And behold, there came none to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. For the people were numbered, and behold, there were none of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead there, and the congregation sent hither twelve thousand men of the valiants, and commanded them, saying, Now look what they said, okay? These people are out of control. Go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead. They got one problem where they killed too many people on one side. They're going to take care of it by killing a whole bunch of people on another side. Go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead and the edge of the sword with the women and the children. And this is the thing that ye shall do. Ye shall utterly destroy every male and every woman that hath lain man. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 uh, young virgins. Uh, I'm sorry, 400 young virgins that had known no man by lying with any male. And they brought them unto the camp to Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. And the whole congregation set them uh, some to speak to the children of Benjamin that were in the rock rim and to call peaceably unto them. And Benjamin came again at the time, and they gave them wives, which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. Yet so they sufficed them not. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Number two, when people do that, which is right in their own eyes, they look down on people who do not meet their standard. I fought this battle. Why didn't you fight it? Hey, why don't you just worry about yourself? you got to understand something, okay? Be careful of developing this pharisaical attitude. I want everyone here to grow in grace, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. I want you to know more Bible this year than you did last year. I want you to dress more godly this year than you did last year. I want you to know more about what you believe this year than you did last year. But when you start growing, don't start judging other people and, say, and thinking, I'm better than you. Let God judge them. Liberal judge not that ye be not judged. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this you can be wrong with a bad attitude. Do you understand that? I'm right in my stand, but you're wrong in your attitude. Go to Luke 18. Look at verse 10. Luke 18, verse 10. Luke 18, verse 10. Jesus taught this. Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men. As other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing far off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. You, you need to understand this. If we are going to reach people, we're going to have to learn to be patient with people. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 12. Colossians 3, 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, if you're saved, that's you. He says, this is what you should be putting on. If you're elect of God, if you're a believer, this is what you should put on. Holy and beloved, bowels of mercy... Of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, learn this word right here, long suffering. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Do you know what the word long suffering means? It means patient. 
Long-suffering means having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially when it comes to other people. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me, I, I'm trying to, to apply this. Let, let me give you an, uh, an example. We had a family come to our church. None of you know them. They're not here anymore. We had a family come to our church, I remember. This family had been coming for three weeks. Came. Good family, Christian family. Saved. Good people. Remember, they, they, they came and they were coming, they were excited. I get a call one day from the husband. It was really the wife speaking through the husband. But they, 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 they came from a good church. Now, here's what you guys said. They came from a church that had like five, five or four people in it, and other than that family. And everyone in that church was like over 85 years old. Which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying this church was a, was not really, you know, reaching new people. Okay? And I mean, everybody in the church is, I mean, they've been members there for like 50 years. So, I mean, they dress right. They look right. They brought the right Bible. They knew the hymns. I remember I got a call. And they said, you know, we have some concerns about your church. We've noticed that some of the people, you know, they, um, you know, they just, the, the way they dress and, and some of the things they say, and, and, and we saw that, you know, some of, them, some of them didn't have a King James Bible. And I, I, I said, well, here's what you've got to understand. You see, you come from a church that's not trying to reach anyone. So everybody looks right. But when you start trying to reach unbelievers, guess what? They're not going to walk through the door looking like an independent fundamental Baptist. That's what they meant. They're going to come in with sin, with all their problems, with all their issues. And what we need to do, I didn't say water down the preaching. I didn't say water down the stand. But I did say we need to love them and be long-suffering. And by the way, are you there in 2 Timothy? Look at verse three, ten. Verse, chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul was one of the most godly men used of God. Notice what he said. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Was the Apostle Paul a compromise? Did the Apostle Paul compromise doctrine? Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of doctrine. (laughs) He said, you have fully known my doctrine. But he said, not only have you known my doctrine, you've also known my manner of life. My purpose. My faith. Notice what Paul said. Long suffering. Charity. Patient. You think the Apostle Paul was able to be used of God in the way that he did? You think the Apostle Paul was able to reach people the way he did without having some long suffering? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4.2. This is why Paul said that one of the qualifications of being a pastor is preach the word, and I'm sorry, this isn't one of the qualifications, but he's talking here to a pastor trying to give him some training, and he said, preach the word, 2 Timothy 4.2. Does that mean you compromise? No, now notice, he says, preach the word, don't compromise, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. He he said, he said, Timothy, I don't want you to compromise the preaching. He said, Timothy, I don't want you to compromise the sermon. Timothy, I don't want you to water it down. I want you to preach the word. I want you to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. But I want you to do it, Timothy, with all long suffering and doctrine. You got to understand, if you're going to reach people, if you're going to reach people, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to realize that not everybody is in the same place you are, that not everybody believes the same things you are, that not everybody is as mature as you are. You're going to have to understand that. And I grew up in independent, fundamental Baptist churches that had not seen a, a soul saved in months, had not used a baptistry in years, and these pastors would stand up and say, you know, our church isn't growing because I preach so hard. And, I, and what I would like to say to them is, 
don't flatter yourself. You know, people can, hard, can handle hard preaching more than we think. Your church isn't growing because of your doctrine. Your church is growing because you're a jerk. Do you understand that we can take a strong stand and have a good attitude about it? Amen. We can take a strong stand and not be negative about it? Go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 10. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. They accused Jesus of the same thing. Matthew 9, verse 10. Matthew 9, 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples. Notice what the Pharisees said about Jesus. Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? You think those guys looked the way that Jesus looked? You think they acted the way Jesus acted? You think they said the things that Jesus said? Verse 12, but Jesus heard that. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be holy, not a physician, but they that are sick. He said, look, I'm not. Well, look at verse 13. But go ye and learn what meaneth I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, look, I came to reach people that are sick. So if you're going to reach people that are sick, guess what? You're going to have to be around people that are sick. Why don't they just be hanging out with them? Well, Jesus disagreed. See, and here's what you understand. Do you think Jesus watered down the stand? Do you think Jesus watered down the preaching? You should read some of Jesus' preaching. But when we get to the place where we think our standard is more important than reaching people, I did not say water down the standard, but I did say realize that not everybody is where you are. And guess what? Hopefully, if you're growing, you're not where you're going to be a year from now. Go back to Judges 21. I said, number one, when people do that which is right in their own eyes, they live by their own standard. I said, number two, when people do that which is right in their own eyes, they look down on people who do not meet their standard. You've got to understand this. You can disagree with people and still be their friend. Not everybody in this church does everything I do. I don't, I don't own a television. Probably most people in this room own a television. Have any of you ever, has a pastor man has ever came up to any of you and said, I'm not going to be your friend because you own a TV. <laughs> now do I want you to get rid of your TV? Oh, I'm going to preach against it. I'm going to call it the television. I'm going to call it the sin box. I'm going to call it whatever I want. Say, when are you going to stop doing that? When you get rid of your TV. But till then, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be patient with you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to try to help you along. Because guess what? I used to have a TV. Judges 21, look at verse 15. And the people repented them for Benjamin because that the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for them that be escaped of Benjamin, that a tribe be not destroyed out of Israel. Howbeit we may not give them wives of our daughters. For the children of Israel have sworn, saying, Cursed be he that giveth wife to Benjamin. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh yearly, in a place which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goeth up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south of Labona. Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards, and see, and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance and dances, then come ye out of the vineyards, and catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin, and it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain, that we 
will say unto them, Be favorable unto them for our sakes, because we reserve not to each man his wife in the war, for you did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. And the children of Benjamin did so, and took them wives according to their number, of them that danced, whom they caught, that they went and returned unto their inheritance, and repaired the cities, and dwelt in them. And the children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family, and they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. You say, what, what is that about? Here's what you're saying. Here's what happened, okay? They made a dumb vow. We're not going to give our daughters to their sons. So then they decide, so then they go kill a bunch of people, bring 400 daughters, that wasn't enough. So they still got 200 guys, because they had 600 in Raymond. So then they get this wise idea, they say, okay, here's what we're going to do, okay, we're going to go to this feast, and these girls, they come out to dance. We're going to have these guys kidnap the girls. Now up to here, does this sound like a good idea? (laughs) We're going to have these girls, guys, kidnap these girls. And when the dads come out looking for the girls that are missing, we're going to say, hey, look, remember we made a vow that we couldn't give it to them. But you didn't give that to them. They took it. And so just be favorable to them. Because we made this dumb vow. People who set man-made standards and break their own standards make no sense. <laughs> and here's, here's how you know, you know, what's more important, the Word of God or their standard? They'll do whatever they need to do to keep their standard. How about just realizing that you made a stupid vow? How about just realizing that you should have never made that vow to begin with? Let me give you an example. We already talked about TV. Let's talk about TV. I grew up in Independent Federal Baptist. I'm glad I'm an Independent Federal Baptist, by the way. I love Independent Federal Baptist. A lot of them don't love me, but that's okay. I love them. Love your enemies, right? But you know, I grew up in Independent Federal Baptist. You know what I heard my whole life? The theater is wicked. Don't ever go to a theater. Don't ever set foot in a theater. A theater is bad. You say, Pastor Venice, are you telling us a theater is bad? I'm not telling you a theater is good or a theater is bad. I'm here to tell you. Do you know that there's nothing wrong uh, with popcorn? <laughs> Do you know that there's nothing sinful, inherently sinful, of a big screen? You say, well, what do you think is sinful in a theater? The garbage they're watching. That's what's sinful. Amen. But see, independent of all Baptists, I'll never set foot in a theater, but they'll watch the same garbage on their TV. And somehow that makes logical sense to them. No, you, we made this vow, but you just go get, you kidnapped their girls. That, that's okay. Kidnap the girls, and they, they didn't give. That makes sense to you, really? Independent Bible Baptists teach that women shouldn't wear pants. And, you know, don't get, you know, get offended if you're going to get offended. I believe that. I'll preach it. I'll teach it. You don't understand that. That's okay. Stick around. We'll teach it from the Bible. I'll tell you this. My wife doesn't wear pants. Do I look down on women that wear pants? Not at all. Does it matter to me? I got one wife. I got one woman to worry about. I'm not worried about the rest. But you know what, independent federal Baptists, we're never going to put pants on our women. And they come up with these things called culottes. Which are, you know, you probably don't even know what a culotte is. Praise God. A culotte is supposed to be a divided skirt. And honestly, a, a legit divided skirt culotte, I don't have an issue with. But you know what most of these culottes end up being? Just glorified shorts. Just capris. And, 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 and you know, it's wrong to wear pants, but you can call them culottes, and it's the exact same thing, and that's okay. And that makes sense to you? I'm here to tell you that people who are righteous in their own eyes make standards that make no sense. You think it's okay to kidnap a girl when she went out on a, on a feast day because they didn't technically give her their daughter. That makes sense to you? Because that makes no sense to me. See, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. 
And when you got to explain away what you think and what you believe, just, just stop. Just realize, I'm probably not doing something right here. Go to Judges 21, look at verse 25. I'm done right here. Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know what's wrong with these people? Is every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And you know what's wrong with us? That we are doing that oftentimes, which is right in your own eyes. Take a strong stand. Praise the Lord for it. We do here. I love it. I love it when, when I get the phone calls and people are like, upset. Did you know that the person, you know, if you want to go to toe, toe-to-toe on standards, hey, have at it. Let's, let's go for it. I live a pretty separated life. You want to talk about the, the sin in your life? Let's go for it. But here's the thing. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you, if they're not trying to hurt the church, divide the church, if they're not preaching heresy, if you, look, half of you didn't agree with half the stuff I said right now. I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to pray for you. And look, you have every right in the world to be wrong. I'm here to tell you, I said it this morning, and I'm going to say it again. I'm not changing the preaching. I'm not changing the music. I'm going to preach against the sodomites. I'm going to preach against fornication. I'm going to preach against sin. I'm going to preach what the Bible says. But if you don't want to agree with it, guess what? I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to befriend you. Because I'm not winning you to me. I'm winning you to Christ. It's not about me. But when we do that, which is right in our own eyes, we become self-righteous. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Father, thank you for allowing me the privilege to be born into an independent, fundamental, soul-winning, King James Bible-believing Baptist family. I could have been born into a cult. I could have been born into a false religion. And you gave me the privilege to be born to a family that went to a church to preach the gospel. I hope people don't take this sermon as an offense that I'm not ashamed of who I am, but we need to understand this. Just because we're growing, just because we're learning, just because we're maturing, does not give us the right to look down on those that maybe have not came that far. Help us to keep our hearts tender and to realize someone doesn't agree with us, they don't take the same stand, that's okay. We'll pray for them, we'll love them, we'll try to bring them along. Help us not to have a bad attitude, a vengeful attitude. Help us to have an attitude of wanting to go out and win the loss, get them saved, get them baptized, and then realize that they're going to need time to grow, time to learn. And they may never get to the place that I'm at. But they're not there to serve me, they're there to serve God. Father, we love you. I pray that we would all take this to heart as we all continue to grow. To help others along. In your precious name I pray. Amen.